Hej och välkomna till prestationspodden. Jag heter Caroline Norbeli och jag driver den här podden för att sprida kunskap om stress. Jag gör också det här för att jag vill ta reda på hur lever man i den här... Jag har väldigt utmanande värden och mår bra. Prestationspodden har ett nyhetsbrev där jag sammanfattar de bästa tipsen från mina gäster. Och är du intresserad av det, gå in på carolinorbeli.com. Ja, jag sitter nere i källan för att det är den enda stället hemma som det är okej. Okay. Det blir otroligt varmt i ett trähus, ja. Jag kan inte bo kvar här känner jag. För jag vet ju att det kommer förmodligen bli varmare temperaturer. Och jag blir verkligen sänkt i huvudet i kombo med att mina barn är hemma. Det är dagen, efter, eller dagen innan de ska börja jobba. Nej men, <laughs> nej, felsägning. Det är dagen innan skolan. Min son börjar ett helt nytt. Det är en ny skola och min dotter går tillbaka tillsammans. Men det är i alla fall, de är rätt uttråkade. Och jag ska då alltså jobba, ta hand om barn, träna, laga mat, diska. Ja men ni vet, det är för många olika puckar. Den här, ja det är inte mysigt att jobba hemma när det är andra hemma. Det har jag aldrig tyckt. Men, och det är ju lite vemodigt även om jag har sagt att jag ser fram emot hösten. Så är det ju såklart. Det har ju varit jättehärligt att vara så nära. Man får väl försöka jobba på den här närheten. Att hålla fast vid den. Att inte gå upp i vardagssaker. Utan hålla kvar vid den här närheten. Och den tror jag man mycket får när man är ute i naturen. För att sitta hemma så... Är man ofta på olika håll på något sätt. Men i naturen så man, delar man det på ett annat sätt. Ja, jag vet inte var ni befinner er nu. Men antagligen har ni kommit tillbaka till jobbet. Och jag tror att det finns två olika känslor. Eller det finns väl fler. Men det är två som jag har märkt på mina kunder i alla fall. Överväldigad. Eller jag är en fejk. Alltså, när man har varit ledig i sex veckor så... Kan man ju inte riktigt känna igen känslan av... Eller man vet ju inte riktigt att man är sitt jobb längre. Precis som när man är, mitt, när man är igång med det så är det ju så naturligt. Man gör det, man kanske känner sig som en fejk ibland i vissa sammanhang. Herregud, klarar jag av det här. Men när man kommer tillbaka efter en lång ledighet så kan det ju bara kännas... Den här känslan av... Är jag... På riktigt, är, jag, är det här verkligen något jag kan? Gud, alla andra verkar kunna så mycket. Och jag vet som jobbar med så mycket människor och har väldigt mycket... Ja, folk vänder sig till mig på olika sätt så vet jag att många känner sig så. Det handlar ju om också att man går in i rollen att bara vara mamma. Och sen ska man, eller pappa, och sen så ska man in och liksom vara mera, vara i sin arbetsroll. Den övergången är ju lite jobbig och där kan ju många tankar komma upp. Och låt bara tankarna gå iväg och, och försök ha mina ord med dig att du är inte fejk. Det kan ändå att du är på fel plats och då ska du se över det. Men du är inte fejk, det är du verkligen inte. Och är du överväldigad, alltså det bara är för mycket barnen börjar skolan och allt som ska till och du hinner inte med någonting inte det. så tänker jag att skala av så mycket som möjligt ge dig tid nu att du att få börja bara jobba det är okej, okay. du behöver inte ha det perfekt hemma. Du behöver inte vara social. Säg, skala av, skala av vänner. Skala, liksom, ge dig chansen att göra en bra, bra comeback. Eller vad man ska säga. Det går ju inte, det blir inte bra om du har tusen saker för, runt omkring dig och vill liksom... Kanske fortfarande ska du njuta av allt det du njöt av tidigare. Och hetsen ligger där. Försök att bara så här 
det är okej. Okay. Du har bara det här jobbet, du gör det. Och självklart så har man ju andra saker. Men att inte ta på dig mer saker än nödvändigt. För som jag skrev på Instagram, Carolina och Billy Coaching, så, så tror jag att det är många som är rädda nu för att jobbet ska ta över dig, eller över en. Att, att det är så här, du vet, man bara slukas in i någon slags tunnel av jobb. Och till slut blir inte ens barn viktiga, utan man bara, nej, 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 ni får klara er själva. Man... Man, man är så rädd för sin egna prestation och för att inte lyckas. Att man, allting annat blir oviktigt. Och det är liksom, efter en stund så är det bara jobbet och personerna på jobbet som du pratar om och som är i din existens. Och jag tror att det, man, det är lätt att bli tagen av jobbet. Speciellt om man har svårt med sina prestationer är rädd för att inte duga att är rädd för att vara fejk då ger man allt och sen tappar man man tappar sig själv man tappar vad som är viktigt i livet och det som om du känner så att du har den här tendensen så är det väldigt viktigt att du är medveten om det här Um, och um, kanske acceptera att, um, att du inte känner att du duger utan prestation utan att det är det viktigaste och jag tror att det handlar om att få fatt på sig själv um, att du ska ta pauser det låter ju väldigt simpelt men att connecta med dig själv flera gånger om dagen om du har väldigt mycket möten till exempel att mellan mötena. Connecta med dig själv. Jag fick den frågan faktiskt på Instagram. Hur ska man liksom få kontakt med sig själv när man har mycket möten och det tar mycket energi? Se till att ha tid emellan. Och även om du inte har det, liksom, eh, andas. Kom, ha någonting, till exempel någonting i fickan som du håller i. Eh, Påminn dig om vem du är för att inte tappa dig in i jobbet. För att inte tappa dig in bland alla andra. Um, och att ta pauser är ju otroligt viktigt. Och det är något som vi bara skjuter bort. Så skulle du kunna ha någon i din närhet som påminner dig om pauserna. Du kanske har någon arbetskamrat som du trivs med. Och att ni går ihop med att ni ska ha de här kvalitetpauserna där ni kanske har mer någon smoothie som ni har gjort med någon form av kärlek till själva så att ni liksom påminner er om vem ni är och att ni inte ska tappa er själva. Um, ja, pauser och att checka in med sig själv, att inte tappa och också kanske Hitta saker som är viktigare än jobbet. Som ni inte ska prioritera bort. Eh, och det är också svårt. För det kan man ju tappa vid tiden. Och jag är mycket inne på att man ska eh, ha någon vid sin sida. Som hjälper en med det. Eh, kanske då en vän eller så. Som hjälper en att liksom hålla de här bra... Eh, ja bra rutinerna, rutinen att ta paus helt enkelt. Och i, för att få det som en, eh, ja, som en rutin så behöver man göra det även när det svajar på jobbet. Inte tappa det då. Jag har Ja, kanske två platser kvar i min coaching så är du som lyssnar intresserad av att skapa förändring i livet. Det handlar ju inte om att du ska bli någon annan för att få ett bättre liv utan det handlar snarare om att vi tillsammans ska skala av det som inte är du och på så sätt så minskar du stress eller oklarhet att du inte vet vad du vill i livet och 
Jag jobb, eller vi jobbar i, olika, i fyra olika steg där vi identifierar problemet, arbetar tillsammans med självläkning och acceptans för att sedan bygga ett starkt självledarskap. Och ett självledarskap som gör att du mår bra långsiktigt och har energi att göra och, le- och leva det liv du önskar. Och är du intresserad av det så gå in på carolinorbelli.com och skicka en intresseanmälan. Och så kan du träffa mig i 30 minuter gratis första gången för att ta reda på om jag är rätt för dig. Nu är det hög tid att anmäla sig till mitt retreat 5-8 oktober i Deja. Vi bor i ett fantastiskt hus, vi äter hälsosam mat, vi yogar och vi vandrar. Det här, eller när yogar retreat är så fantastiska och det kommer bli ett minne för livet. Så gå in på carolinnorbeli.com igen och lämna en intresseanmälan så hör jag av mig så fort som möjligt. Du är så välkommen. Burrows Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I den här intervjun har jag intervjuat Sarah Stein Lebrano. Intervjun är på engelska och jag är inte fantastisk på engelska uppenbarligen. Jag tycker att jag är mycket bättre annars. Men det är svårt när man får någon framför sig digitalt sådär och värmen också. Min hjärna funkar inte i värmen. Det kommer bli bättre nu när det kommer kylas av. Hela podden kommer lyfta. Men hur som helst, vi pratar om självhat, vilket är ett så intressant ämne för det kan låta självhat som att det inte är vanligt, men det är det absolut. Sarah jobbar för något som heter School of Life där de arbetar med sådana här frågor så lyssna till Sarah Stein Lebrano Welcome to prestationspodden Sara Tell the listeners who are you? So my name is Sarah Stein Lebrano 
and I'm one of the faculty members at the School of Life, which is a global organization that works around the world to help people develop uh, what we might call resilience or wisdom or even human flourishing. We're trying to help people live more meaningful lives. And uh, we do this in a variety of ways. We have books, we have an app, we have a YouTube channel, which is very popular um, with millions of subscribers. So we, we recommend that as a first step. Um, and, and many other things besides games, interactive workshops, but they're all geared towards helping people live more fulfilling lives uh, and, and sort of developing what you might call broadly emotional intelligence. Uh, and what is your background? Yeah, I'm, uh, well, it's interesting. I started um, my academic study looking at what we call intellectual history. So the history of ideas. And, and those are usually big ideas that are really influential in our society, like um, the, the Protestant work ethic, for example, and the way it forces people to think about themselves in a certain way. Or um, I looked a lot at the role of sex and gender in people's lives. And then I came to work at the School of Life for a long time, and I, I, I loved that. But I also was very curious about how deeply screwed up our political systems are. And um, I have begun a PhD, which I'm slowly, painfully trying to finish, which is about um, people's psychology and their difficulty in recognizing contradictions in their own worldviews. Um, so I'm, I'm also somebody who has my own research at Oxford University, and I'm looking at that in particular. Mm, interesting. Um, so who did this start School of Life? The School of Life is over a decade old. Um, it was mm. founded by Alan de Botton and also by a number of other um, people in that area who are were the original faculty members, for example. Um, everything is always a team. That's like how we like to think about it. So even our books are not authored by a single person, but rather we work on them together as a team. Um And we've been developing it over the last decade and, and a bit um, to try to have a wider reach and to figure out sort of tone of voice people enjoy. But we've always had these same core values of, of, of helping people develop emotional intelligence and wisdom. And, and in particular, one of the reasons it has the name that it has is that we feel that there are really core important things that we need to learn in order to have good lives, but that aren't taught in school. Um, and that are nevertheless teachable and learnable in a structured way. They are skills. So listening to someone else's is a skill. We're not born knowing how to do it, even though that's an intuition we might have culturally. We have to develop that skill, sometimes by talking it out uh, and practicing as we might with something like basketball or, you know, I don't know, making mm. an omelette. Exactly. It's strange that we don't learn it in school, though. Precisely. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And uh, you've written a book about self-hatred. Yeah, this is one of our uh, latest books. Uh -huh. Tell me about the book. Well, I think one of the things that's quite tricky is that a lot of places um, that focus on, on what we might call self-help are very interested in mm -hmm. this question of like loving yourself. And there are all kinds of cliches in this area. The idea that you have to love yourself first before anyone else can love you. Um, and And there's a lot of kind of, A very well-intentioned focus on trying to actively love yourself. <laughs> um, and we're not, you know, avidly against that necessarily, but we think that sometimes, for many people, this is the wrong approach because the problem is even prior to this. It's not just that they don't love themselves. It's that they actively hate themselves and that, that, that self-hatred is a very particular kind of problem. It's usually something we've internalized since we were small children, And mm -hmm. it also might be that rather than needing to come to love ourselves in, um, let's say, the way we might love a partner, right, where we see all of their good attributes, we think they're amazing, etc., uh, we need to very, first of all, accept ourselves. So, so sort of say, well, I'm, I'm not maybe as interesting and fun and cool to be around as my friends, to me, but I am okay. Um, so we've, we've tried to approach this problem from a different angle in this book. And to look at it in this slightly more, maybe realistic light about what's possible for human beings uh, when it comes to thinking at least decently of themselves. Mm. What do you think we don't like ourselves or hate ourselves? Well, I think there are a lot of different things that happen. Um, and we talk about them in, in various different ways in this book. I think one of the problems is that we 
as we talk about very early on, we face what is often called imposter syndrome, but is really a, a sort of immense gap between the amount of knowledge that we have about ourselves on a daily basis and our almost impossible task of trying to understand what it's like to be someone else. Um, you know, that there's an almost unbridgeable divide um, between, between, those, between ourselves and knowledge of another person's internal experience. And so we know deeply all of the different things that we've done that are seemingly shameful or bad or embarrassing or weak or, or you know, whatever. We know, we know all the things that we didn't actually understand in the meeting. We know all the times that we were, you know, incredibly, I don't know, uh, lustful or um, lazy that we don't really know about other people in our world and that they often seem to us on the outside like they're extremely competent. Um, they seem to know what's happening in the meeting. We don't know any of their, you know, secret dirty thoughts or whatever. Um and the thing is, it's not just that that knowledge has this kind of structure and it leads us to maybe think we're unusual, abhorrent, particularly disgusting human beings. It's also that this structure of knowledge is particularly intense in childhood when a lot of our psychological apparatuses are formed, right? So children not only have this problem, but um, they really truly can't understand what the adults around them are like because they are not yet fully developed and they haven't lived an adult life. So mm. if if you remember from childhood, most of us looked at the adults in our life and, and, and almost saw them as minor gods. Not necessarily that we liked them, although we might well worship them, but also that they had competencies and a set of knowledge that we couldn't possibly imagine. You know, there was a mm. point where they could read and we couldn't read, where they could drive and we weren't allowed to go out of our bedroom after 7 p.m. and so on. And we think that essentially one of the reasons it becomes very easy to hate ourselves as adults um, is that we're still stuck in this mindset where other people seem incredibly impressive and we mm. feel uh, like we're one of the few horrible, weak people on planet Earth. Mm. Is that why we start to pleasing others? Yeah, absolutely. And I guess this is also a good way to to bring in the, the question of childhood again, because the other thing that happens is that children are, we think, relatively psychologically robust, of course. So we can often get past things in our childhood in a certain way and we we don't want to dismiss that at all but um, we are also deeply influenceable as children and one of the things that children really want and crave and need is the attention and approval of adults in their lives because if you think about it that's how we survive as a species right mm. um if your parents are sick of you enough back in the day they just can get rid of you <laughs> it doesn't happen very often anymore thankfully but even so even today Children really need their parents to essentially give them love and acceptance and reassurance and attention and appreciation because the parents are the people who have the most influence in how the child sees themselves, right? And so many of us, for example, have internalized the voice of our parents. Whatever our parents said to us, accurate or not, they might say something like, oh, you're so creative. I love seeing how you draw. But they also might say something like, you're always running late for things. Get yourself together. You need to be more organized. And whatever mm -hmm. they say tends to become part of what psychologists might call our ego, our sense of self. They're building our sense of self for us every day. And unfortunately, many people have children and then they don't really have the capacity or ability to give them the kind of attention and appreciation that is needed for that child to develop well. So a very common coping mechanism for children, which then carries on into our adult life, is to constantly seek um, as much of it as we can get, even from someone who can't really give it to us. And this is a perfect way to set yourself up as a people pleaser, right? Because um, essentially the other person's approval becomes, feels as though it's a matter of almost life or death or whether you're okay as a human being or not. And as adults, we don't, we aren't owed, so to speak, the same kind of attention and appreciation that we were as children. So it might be that our colleagues are just quite busy and they can't really tell us that we did well in a project. But if our childhood didn't go especially well in this area, we might be incredibly uh, hurt because they didn't compliment our work and think, oh, all of my work is useless. I'll never get ahead in life, etc. And uh, also if you have a parent who doesn't like them, or parents who doesn't like themselves, uh, that could also, I mean, be like a mirror and you start to... Absolutely, yeah. Uh, yes, yeah, they're our first model in a way for what it is is mm -hmm. like um, to to value ourselves, right? And if they they don't, it's very difficult for us to imagine what that might be like. Oh. And um, what can self hatred lead to? I mean, in when you when you're in the working or in a relationship, 
Yeah, I mean, all kinds of things. You you pointed to one that was that's very important: people pleasing. So the idea that we are so desperate for the approval and attention of others that we we essentially say whatever we think it will take to get their approval or their being pleased. Um, but of course, it's very dangerous in the long run because we often end up saying things that aren't true or aren't complete, let's say. Um, and that, that gives people a false sense of who we are. Um, also, it can lead to people eventually not trusting us because they realize that we're just saying what they want to hear. But there are all kinds of other very self-destructive things that happen when we are uh, engaged in self-hatred, right? And then I think some of them are almost cliches, but they're very serious. So things like suicide or self-harm or even on a more daily basis, Um, if we don't like or value ourselves very well, we might want to escape into all kinds of addictions, both the very serious substance abuse kinds, but also, you know, drowning ourselves in media and noise and loud music and Netflix and an extra bottle of wine before bed. Social social media. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And comparing ourselves to others and seeing ourselves as inherently, you know, faulty, um, mm. And, and also it just prevents us from from pursuing things that would make us happy because if we don't think that we deserve it and we can't imagine being allowed to have it, it's very unlikely that we're going to pursue it well, whether that's, you know, a date with someone we really fancy or uh, just like a very interesting, unique job or something like this. Mm. Um, so the whole spectrum. If you don't like yourself, what can you do uh... To work with yourself? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, So the second half of this book is about that in many ways. It's about Mm. what we might take for us to, if not exactly love ourselves, because again, that's quite a high high task and maybe it's not the first step, let's say, Um, Mm. is, is to accept ourselves. And that's a very different kind of task, to see ourselves as acceptable. Um. And we think there are a lot of different things that are involved in this process. One of the first is to be realistic about the fact that, you know, human beings are are flawed and, 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 and that probably we're not so much wrong about the things in our life that we notice about ourselves. Sometimes we are, sometimes we're wildly off base. But, you know, mm-hmm. if we've noticed something like I'm often late to work, um, I, you know, have, you know, lots of angry thoughts, I found someone attractive at the company who isn't my spouse, whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not so much that we need to deny these aspects of ourselves as to see them as normal and to recognize that even though other people often aren't telling us about this kind of thing, um, they are doing it all the time. They are also procrastinating. They are also yelling at their children too often. They're also, you know, and and so on. So we think, we we bring up a number of ideas in this book. We think that, um, you know, a lot of the way people used to talk about original sin is deeply flawed because it's actually meant to make you feel more shame. But we think that the idea can be resurrected to remind you to feel less shame, which is just that everyone from the start is born with the likelihood of doing all kinds of deeply troubled things. And therefore, there's nothing particularly hateable about the fact that we are also very flawed. It's just part of the human condition. It's who we are. So we think there's a massive work of mental reframing around the things that we notice are less than perfect about ourselves. We also think, um, interestingly, that a lot of the work we need to do on ourselves psychologically is interdependent. So it's not just something we can do on our own in a self-help way, as nice as that would be. And as much as you Mm. should read this book. um, We also think it's about developing friendships with other people that are more honest and open, because when that happens, we're able to see that their lives are also um, struggling with the same kinds of things, right? Or involved in, in a struggle with the same kinds of things. And we think friendship is one of the most important aspects of overcoming certain kinds of self-hatred. Um, mm. That Very often we think that in order to get love from other people, especially if we're you know, raised as people pleasers, is to show our impressive sides. And therefore, often friendships are slightly you know, stiff and hollow because we're busy telling our friends about how impressive our children's are and you know how great our career is going and whatever and 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 that friendship is actually about the opposite almost it's about sharing our weaknesses and our failures and our less than perfect moments and our difficulties and our moments of poor mental health and so on and if you think about it within of course reason and balance um Mm. the most meaningful friendships that we have are often about that and the most interesting conversations where we feel most connected to people are not about how impressive they are but are instead about how uh, much they have struggled with something, but but you know we're able to comfort them or vice versa. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips and adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There are many lonely people uh how could they what, <laughs> what what should they do yeah well this is this i is, think people are more mm. and more lonely since yeah social media even though we get connected we, i think we're very disconnected yeah um, i agree uh, yeah i mean i this is part of what we've tried to to deal with at the school of life as an organization as a whole mm-hmm. it's part of why we have live workshops where people can meet each other and online social events and so on but of course there's not the only solution mm-hmm. um i think part of it is that we we need to return to the idea of social life as a skill and as a skill that we are going to be bad at at first like anything and get better at because i think a lot of the time when i talk to people, both people who are, let's say, attending something at the School of Life and people who are just in my social world, mm. they will they will be very lonely, as you say. I absolutely agree with you. This is a huge problem, even. Um, but they feel like there's something intrinsic about them where they can't make new friends, right? Um, they see it as like a fixed quality of themselves. And I think this is the thing that's most difficult or almost damaging, that it may be in the past that you have been shy and awkward at parties and unable to know what to say next, but that's not a fixed quality about yourself. It's something that you can practice, even though it is excruciating, admittedly. And so mm. I think the the main thing that we work on a lot is the idea that in the same way that you would think about this as, you know, the first time you go rock climbing or something and, you know, it's like scary and difficult and you don't know what you're doing and you have to get a safety presentation. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I think we need to think about social life also like this especially because we live in an amazingly atomized society which is not the kind of society that we evolved into right we we evolved to live in probably small bands of about 200 people who all kind of knew each other and many of them were relations and now we live in you know we might live in a city where we know only one or two people in an extreme case and that's really different so firstly it's okay that it's hard for us and secondly we can learn and and maybe it's really important that we join a knitting club even though we don't particularly like knitting just to practice the skill of making friends um i also think there's a really interesting to move away from from sort of things just related to the school of life but there's a really interesting research uh study that was written about in new york times a couple of weeks ago which showed that people um get an almost remarkable amount of joy out of just getting a text message or email from somebody in their life that they like had fallen out of touch with so they mm-hmm. kind of had people uh, predict like how happy will your friend from university be if you contact them and then they measured this against how happy that friend actually was and it turns out that people are much happier than we predict to hear from us so i, I think there's also and this is interestingly another gap in our theory of mind that we underestimate how nice it will be for other people to hear from us if we make the first move 
And I mean, I, I kind of wish I could throw like a challenge where every day for a month or something, we have to write somebody in our past life. I think it would bring everyone immense joy most of the time. Mm, that is a good idea. Yeah. Uh, to start like a snowball yeah. <laughs> of, yeah. of connection. Uh, uh, do you also work with the stress Yeah, we work with basically all the major difficult emotions. Um, mm. We often talk about anxiety more than stress, but I mean, they are, of course, related. And um, I think stress is particularly the word I use when I'm facing down a deadline, personally. I don't, mm. I don't know about you, but um, mm. but yeah, we, we do. We look at all of this. Mm. Um, and uh, self-hatred, um What can they? What can you do? I mean, many of my listeners probably feel uh, you can. I mean, they hear what you say and they um, recognize themselves. And what, what more can they do? We, you you said connection is very good, but is there something else? Well, um, I mean, firstly, we're huge proponents of psychotherapy at the School of Life. We have a mm. team of psychotherapists that do all online therapy. Um, but obviously there are many other good places to find therapists. Mm. Um, and we, we think this is really important because although we've just talked about friendship and we do think it's very important, there are some things that are easier to explore with a therapist because the therapist holds a very important role, which is that they don't have any other stake in any other kind of relationship with us, right? So if let's say we're discovering a new aspect of our our life. Maybe we've discovered that we actually need to leave our husband or, uh, I don't know, we've got a new gender identity or we, um, mm. you know, want to move to South Africa. Big Even step. the best friend is probably mm. influenced by this in some way. It might change the way they see themselves or their social world or that we're leaving them or whatever. And therapist doesn't have any stake like this. It doesn't affect them. So they, they're capable of sort of just sitting with whatever we have to say. And also, um, it's therefore likely that they're, they're not going to step on our toes. If we're writhing in self-hatred about something, it doesn't affect them. And so they're not going to screw up and say, oh, that does sound really stressful. Maybe don't bother with that, right? Mm. Um, they're also good at giving the kind of unconditional regard, uh, as Carl Rogers, one of the early influential therapists in this area, put it, unconditional positive regard that many adults are still needing to learn to build for themselves. So whatever we say, no matter how horrible it might sound to another person in our social world if we tell them you know i stole a bunch of money from work um the the, the therapist is not about to judge because they know that that's not their role they're so sort of, interesting tell me more i'm curious mm. you know there's still many good things about you etc so we think therapy is a really important step especially for people who are suffering in a in a, in a i would say intensive way yeah. right um We think humor plays a big role. We talk about being a lovable idiot in this book. Um, mm. and, and I think that that's a step that requires a lot of humor. So, you know, it might be that we've done something very foolish. We've been in, I don't know, a six-year relationship with somebody who, it turns out, was not that interested in us in the first place. Or we've, you know, whatever. And it's it's easy to be cruel to ourselves about something like mm. this. And say, like, I'm such an idiot. Anyone else could see that this was going to go wrong. I never get it right, et cetera, et cetera. But we think that there's another way of looking at things like this, which is to say, to be clear, differently than our friends, you might say, no, you're not an idiot at all. That was just you, whatever. Uh, mm. Say, yeah, it was kind of stupid to keep in this relationship that wasn't working. But I'm still a lovable idiot. And if you think about it, we know how to react to lovable idiots because um, yeah. they're in every TV show, right? And we love them. Mm. We love our favorite character. And they do stupid things all the time, but we still love them. So we we think there's a skill. I think this is a, a sense of humor. That is very good. Yeah. And when you make mistakes and, uh, I mean, people are so scared about making mistakes. Yeah, and not really to be are. a lovable idiot. I mean, that is very, ah, that is so, it's such a good expression mm. yeah i find it very helpful because i'm definitely a lovable idiot <laughs> i've done many stupid oh. things oh. oh do you have anything else from the book i mean it's a very long book it's not actually very long oh. book. it's a medium-sized book it's 150 mm. pages so i recommend mm -hmm. that you you go read it mm. um but I, i guess um i think something else that's important to note is that I don't think everyone necessarily recognizes when they're going through periods of self-hatred, right? Um, some people mm. know and they'll come to you and they'll say, like, I really hate myself and it's because I've done all these bad things or whatever. But it's important to look for little, little, I would say, hidden, hidden emotions or masking emotions. 
Um, one of the most classic masking emotions in the whole world is anger. So when we're angry, we're often not really just angry. It's almost always a cover for some other difficult emotion. And, and you can notice this if you look at people in your life who are angry, that they're often angry because if they stop being angry, they'd have to be sad and realize that something had gone wrong and they're really sad about it. But they're going to be angry instead because it feels better and more active, right? Or, um, and so on. And we, I think it's important to to not just buy this book if you already think that you're, you know, caught in self-hatred, but also just to begin to question whether there are smaller ways in which we might be full of self-loathing, but we've covered this up in a compulsive need to, I don't know, check the news or um, criticize other people as a defensive protection for having to mm -hmm. question whether there are things we actually really dislike about ourselves that are quite similar, right? So I guess what I'm saying is I, I, I think we're all guilty of this tricky thing about self-hatred quite a lot and it's just that only some people are able to articulate it um but we talk in the book a lot about sort of the subtle signs that we might still in some way be full of self-hatred at, at points mm. and people who worked very hard and they yeah workaholism up uh yeah by their jobs i mean without that job there's just Not a good feeling about yourself. And I definitely relate uh, to this one. <laughs> mm, I've uh -huh. been a workaholic and I think uh, it's hard because people reward you for it, right? If you drink mm -hmm. too much alcohol, your friends might eventually say, mm, this looks troubling. But if you work really <laughs> hard, then, you know, people at work are delighted because you finished the project. Wonderful, whatever. Mm -hmm. But it's still self-destructive. Because <laughs> mm, it's so empty. Yeah, uh, because it's, it's not what we're really craving about ourselves that we mm -hmm. wish we could reconnect to. It's usually just distraction. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. What can we do? Like, can we uh, practice something, telling uh, nice words to ourselves to become more lovable? Or do you have yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the other things that we talk about in this book is the idea that we should practice speaking back to the often very harsh and critical voices that come up in our head, um, many of which sound remarkably like our parents or like that particularly cruel teacher that we had. You know, they come from the past. Um, but rather than counter everything they say entirely, which might be unrealistic, we suggest that, they, that we practice moderating our response. So let's say we've got a very critical voice and it says something like, Um, you know, you screwed up completely with that work assignment, you're useless and you'll never get ahead in life and you're always going to be stuck in this one boring job. Um, you know, a very maybe uh, extremely positive approach, but not necessarily a helpful one would be to say, no, it wasn't that bad. This is often what our friends tell us. Or it might be something like, um, you know, I'm eventually going to become the CEO of this company one day. But we suggest something more moderate, which is, again, very related to the lovable idiot idea. So we suggest that you say something like, you know, I, I did really mess up that thing at work and I'm not always that good at organization and I might even never be that good at organization. But um, I, I, you know, 
I'm very nice to my colleagues. They appreciate me in other ways. And I might never be the CEO of this particular company, but uh, I, I do have a lot of positive qualities. And if I work hard, I can probably at least get a promotion at some point. And it's going to be, if not amazing, decent. Right. So sort of these moderate responses we think are more helpful and realistic. And again, they don't look like self-love in a cheesy way, but they're they are simply a way of seeing all the sides of ourselves in the way that other people that love us are able to see us. It sounds like it's sort of uh, ac- acceptance. Yeah, exactly. It's self-acceptance. Mm. I think that's a mm. great way to start. You know, we can see this in other areas of um, life. I think one of the nicest ideas that's come out recently is there was a lot of what was called body positivity, um, right, or sex positivity. And those things are not necessarily bad, but sometimes they can uh, become really difficult for people as, as a first step. So moving from hating your body to thinking your body is great is sometimes just too hard for people. And it's better to say something like, you know, I don't love how my body looks. I don't love the way my thighs, you know, work, move together when I'm walking down the street, but I can accept it. This is me right? Mm. Or um, might be something about sex. You know, I'm not comfortable really with sexuality, but I accept that, uh, you know, other people are having sex and I'm having sex and I guess it's it's, it's weird, but it's okay, right? And th- that kind of step uh, is a better first step a lot of the time than forcing people straight into love because it's so unfamiliar to us. And, and you mm. know, frankly, we don't have to love everything about our body. We just have to not hate ourselves so much anymore and we'll still be a lot better off. <laughs> mm. Oh. So uh, acceptance is the key, sort of. I think I think uh, it's a good start. Yeah, uh, it's a good start. Mm, uh, because uh, many, I mean, I heard people talking about you should say kind words and stuff. But I agree with you that it doesn't really get into your heart when you don't agree with with what you say. Like I am such a good person and inside of you you, you say no <laughs> no I'm not what? it's like uh, uh, <laughs> so acceptance is it's a key for a lot of things yeah I think that's uh, right also other people you know it's it's easier to say uh you know my neighbor Fred he's he's okay mm-hmm. I can tolerate him and mean that than to say oh I love Fred when you really despise the way he's organized his garden or his life or something mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you also uh, teach uh, meditation and yoga? We don't do that so much. Um, not because it isn't good, but it's nee. simply not the focus of our, our school. We mm. we focus on insights from psychoanalysis and also what we call cultural mining. So we tend to look at big ideas in books and in uh, social changes in Western society and Eastern society, actually, um, and use them to bring to light some of the challenges of modern life. Is the school of uh, life? Is it? Did you choose that name? I mean, because uh, in school we don't practice this. Precisely. Is that why? Yeah, uh, that's, that's right. So, so good, right? Uh, because we think that right now we're learning lots of geometry, but we're not learning almost anything about how to, you know, hate ourselves less. <laughs> nah, we could get rid of a few subjects mm. having this instead. I would certainly have enjoyed much of the things in the School of Life more than physics, which I struggled with immensely and have never used since either. <laughs> Men, have you um, have you tried to get into the schools? To to I mean to. Oh, interesting. Um, we've had occasional visits to schools to talk about our books. We've got a range mm. of books for children, so that's mm. uh, okay. very relevant to them, and they often use our books, which is really touching. Um, we're not immediately focused on that, but I do think the good news is that increasingly schools are beginning to see the importance of this kind of, um, approach to, to children's development. And, um, I don't know about how things are in Sweden, but in Britain, we're having a pretty severe crisis, uh, for children's mental health. And obviously this is just one, you know, working on, on your emotional skills is just one aspect of mental wellbeing, but, I, I'm hopeful that even if it's not through us directly in the next decade or so, more of this kind of approach will uh, come come through in, into children's lives in school. I hope so. Um, I can understand that since uh, I have a brother living in in um, in England and lockdown, and mm-hmm. uh, he was locked down d- during the most like important times i mean he was uh, 16 yeah and when you're supposed to meet other children it affects him a lot and i understand that 
Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think it's really difficult. I've always thought that being a child is anyway quite challenging because you have much less agency than an adult, right? You can't mm-hmm. really do anything. And then in lockdown, we were all lacking in agency. We could hardly leave our house some of the time, even if it was for the best in many cases. And um, I, I, I honestly can't imagine just at the point where many teenagers are learning to finally build friendships, have relationships, express themselves, having to put all of that essentially somewhat on pause. Really tough. But did you expand during lockdown? Did I expand? I mean- Oh, no, the school of life. No. Uh, uh, we, we, more of what we did, I mean, I, I don't, you know, I don't have our full business numbers and stuff like that, nah. but um, we, we did actually move very much online and it was real mm. sort of silver lining um, to, to see how people might look forward to our workshops as a, a way of seeing the outside mm. world, even from the inside of their house. So I had the pleasure of redesigning our workshops on a sort of very fast basis to work on Zoom and and getting to watch people who were otherwise in their house all day finally talk about their lives was, you know, really meaningful and interesting, yeah. Cool. Uh, uh, and if uh, people want to go, uh, get in contact with you or interested in your book... Yeah, visit should... our website. So it's the mm. School of Life, uh, I believe it's schooloflife.com. Uh, and we have <clears throat> we have also branches around the world. I don't think we've got one in Sweden, but we've got them in other countries. Uh, you can buy our books. You can watch our videos on YouTube. Um, you can mm. take one of our workshops online from anywhere in the world that you've got internet mm. connection. So come by, oh, visit cool. us. Yeah. Thank you so much uh, for coming to Prestationspodden, Sarah. It's Thank you. It's been so nice to have you here. It was a pleasure. Tack. Snälla, ni som lyssnar, jag blir så glad. Jag blir så glad för alla meddelanden som ni skickar till mig. Fortsätt skicka. Det får mig att orka vidare. Och gå gärna in och lämna en recension på iTunes. Man gör det genom att gå in i sin app. Och där är det bara scrolla ner till recension. Och du går in på prestationspodden och sen recension och där lämnar du så många stjärnor som nu tycker att jag är värd eller podden. Okej, okay, tack så mycket. Ha en jättebra vecka. Vi hörs.